Well, this is a short sermon this morning because the 15 who gave their testimonies gave sermons unto themselves, I realize very well. But I want to just point out the obvious, that our church is a spiritual family, and we are individually living our Christian lives out before each other, with each other. And this should be good, but it can be bad. Living our individual Christian lives with one another is good, of course, when we are following Jesus well. Living our individual Christian lives with one another can be bad, however, when enough of us are not following Jesus Christ well. To say that another way, obedience or disobedience is contagious in any local church. In Calvary Bible Church, either our obedience to Christ will be contagious or our disobedience to Christ will be contagious. That's just how it works. And what I thought I would do is a bit of a study on for this sermon to look through the New Testament churches that we know something about in God's word to see were those churches mostly uh, following Jesus well and therefore imitating each other was a good thing or were there churches that were not following Jesus Christ well and therefore to imitate one another in one of those churches was a bad thing. And as I look through it, I won't give you all my results for the sake of time, but it's, a, it's largely 50-50 that half the churches presented in the New Testament were not necessarily exemplary, and uh, half were. And maybe a little different percentage, but similar to that. So, for instance, Berea. Well, that was a place where obedience was caught there because personal study of the scriptures was mimicked by the members of the Berean church. Corinth, on the other hand, disobedience was caught in that local church because selfishness among believers kept increasing there, resulting in a really a shared chaos that had to be addressed by the first and second epistles to the Corinthians. Corinth, on the other hand, initially obedience was caught at the church in Ephesus, but near the end, the sad end of that particular church in Ephesus, disobedience of believers in that church because they had left their first love of Jesus Christ. Philadelphia, the church at ancient Philadelphia, well, obedience was caught there. Individual believers spurred each other on to spiritual advancement by loving the scriptures. So you get the point. That in every church, including our local church, believers copy either good or bad from each other. In this assembly, we are going to be copying either good or bad from one another. So let's strive, let's work, let's repent, let's obey, such that we are worth copying because we individually are copying Christ. That would be a very good ambition. And I would submit that in these minutes and this afternoon as well, we have 15 believers in Christ who are worth copying because they're 15 believers who are obeying the Lord and taking the important first discipleship step of water baptism. And again, it's at Montague Beach, 3 p.m. sharp. There at the beach, these 15 are going to go public with their private faith and commitment to Jesus Christ. They are going to make visible at the beach what's already happened to them invisibly. Namely, that the Holy Spirit has baptized or placed them into the Lord Jesus Christ, buried with him through baptism into death, splash, raised to walk in newness of life, 
They're making visible at the beach what's already happened to each of them invisibly prior to the beach. They are already united with Christ, identified with Christ in his death, burial, and resurrection, but they're going to announce to everyone present the fact, that fact that they have been united to Christ and identified with Christ, they're going to announce that fact by being placed into the seawater this afternoon at Montague. And by being water baptized, they are, I'm going to tell you six things. Each of them is saying or doing six things by being water baptized. Number one, they're announcing that they are believers in Christ who are serious about following him no matter what. You know, in certain cultures, in certain Orthodox Jewish homes and other homes in the Arab world, it's not until a person in a family declares they're going to be trusting Christ as Savior and being water baptized, that step of water baptism causes some Orthodox Jewish families to have a funeral for their child who's trusted Jesus to be Savior to say, you're dead to us. It's water baptism that triggers that negative response. So those being water baptized are saying, announcing that they're believers in Christ who are going to be serious about following Christ. Secondly, they're indicating that we can hold them accountable for following Christ well. I've told you before that my father-in-law pastored a large church in Michigan when Beth and I got married, and he officiated our wedding ceremony. And he and my mother-in-law concluded that it would be impossible to not invite everyone in the church because there'd be hard feelings if they invited certain people in the church family and not other people. So they invited 600 members of my, my father-in-law's church to attend the wedding, 600 people. We didn't serve them food. <laughs> but they came to the wedding. And those who came to the wedding ceremony witnessed me making certain promises to God and to Beth. And they witnessed Beth making certain promises to God and to me. They were witnesses of these promises. Now that's all factual, what I've just said. Now I'm going to say something that isn't factual for the sake of illustration. This did not happen. But if a year later, Beth and I were in a restaurant and I was mistreating Beth with my language, raising my voice, critical, uh, embarrassing her in the restaurant with my voice. This didn't happen. But if it were to happen. And there was a table further back in the dark restaurant that had a couple at that table who could hear what I was saying to Beth at our table, and they were at our wedding ceremony. If the man came up to me and said, hi, how you doing, Beth and Rob? Could I have a word with you in the men's room, Rob? And then he took me to the men's room and he said, hey, we were at your wedding ceremony and witnessed you made certain promises to God and certain promises to Beth and you were breaking those promises at the dinner table. I heard you talking meanly to your wife and disrespectfully and embarrassing her. Right then I have two options. I either say, mind your own business, it's our marriage, stay out of it, which is a terrible response. Or I can say, thank you, man, you're right. I wasn't treating breath. I wasn't cherishing her in public. And shame on me. I'm going to make it right with my wife. People who are water baptized are saying to those of us who witnessed their baptisms, 
you can hold me accountable because I publicly stated I want to fully follow Jesus Christ by being water baptized. So you have every right to take me to the men's room or to take so-and-so to the ladies' room and confront what's not following Jesus Christ properly. That's serious. That's what's being ha- going to happen at the beach at 3 o'clock. Also, those being water baptized are putting on the Christian uniform. If you're an unwater baptized Christian, you're not yet a disciple of Christ because you haven't put on the uniform of being a follower of Christ by being water baptized. These who are getting water baptized are willingly putting on the uniform of being a born again Christian. Next, put it another way, Those who are being water baptized this afternoon are hanging a sign around their necks that says, under new management. They're saying, not just on June the 26th, 2022, am I hanging this sign around my neck that I'm under new management? I'm hanging this sign that I'm under new management around my neck for the rest of my days on earth, that I'm no longer the manager of my own life, that Jesus Christ is the manager of my life under new management. Fifth, they're announcing what is already a reality in their lives. They're announcing that they've been united with Christ in crucifixion, burial, and resurrection to newness of life. They're making visible what's already happened to them invisibly. Our first child, Joanna, now 29, living in Toronto, she came into our family through adoption as a newborn baby. Before social media and all of those things, we took out a newspaper ad in the paper to say that Joanna Beth Elliott had been born on March the 15th, 1993, and was coming into the family of Robert and Beth Elliott with great joy and love. That newspaper notice never caused Joanna to be born. But what it did was it announced she had already been born. Water baptism doesn't cause anybody to be born again or forgiven of God. It announces that already has happened. Sixth and last, by being water baptized today, these 15 Brothers and sisters in Christ are burning bridges that used to go back to their old way of life before Christ. They are burning bridges that would lead them back to the ways they were before Christ. I've decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. I've told you about the couple at Donald Gray Barnhouse's church in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, 10th Presbyterian. He led them to Christ for salvation, and they told him with great glee the next Sunday after he had led them to Christ, Pastor, we got invited to a wild party by some friends of ours that used to party wildly with us, and they invited us to their party. And Dr. Barnhouse said, well, why did you, what did you do about that? She said, I phoned them back and said, we won't be able to attend on Saturday because we both died on Wednesday. 
burning the bridges back to sinful life. Burning the bridges. No retreat. Burning the bridges. I've decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. And that's what they're saying. So as I go through these six things, maybe you're sitting here thinking, I haven't publicly announced that for myself. I haven't looked at it that way. Well, look at it that way and make a plan to announce that for yourself. I'd be delighted to plan another water baptism soon so we could help you obey Christ. I would love it. I hope that you'll be at the beach with us at three o'clock sharp. I hope that you'll be there for at least two reasons. I hope that you'll be at the beach this afternoon to love the 15 persons enough to support them in their obedience to the Lord by attending their baptisms. And second, if you're not yet water baptized as a Christian, I hope you'll be at the beach this afternoon so you could be influenced enough to be infected in a good way by the obedience of those who are going to show their obedience to Christ in the public forum of a beach. I hope that you'll be infected with obedience to Christ. In 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, Paul makes a startling statement under inspiration. Imitate me just as I also imitate Christ. Can you say that? Imitate me just as I also imitate Christ. Appreciate you doing that vocally, but let me ask you personally. Would that be a credible, God-honoring statement for you to make to someone? Imitate me as I also imitate Christ. Is your imitation of Christ close enough to Christ you're worth copying? If it isn't, repent. And so in context, we have to ask ourselves what preceded Paul's statement in 1 Corinthians 11, verse 1, imitate me just as I also imitate Christ. What came before that? Well, when you look back to what precedes 1 Corinthians 11, 1, you look at the end of chapter 10. And what we see in verses 23 to 33 of 1 Corinthians 10 is that it's talking about glorifying God by seeking the welfare of your brother. Glorifying God by seeking the welfare of your brother. So hence, it fits logically in the train of thought that Paul would then say, imitate me just as I also imitate Christ. And so when you and I are properly imitating Christ, then it will be good for our brothers and sisters in the Lord if they imitate us. I want you to picture... a grand piano like this one, all the pews out of this sanctuary and uh, several grand pianos on the floor of this sanctuary, close to each other. I don't know how many grand pianos we could fit in here. Maybe 10, I'm just estimating roughly. Let's say there were 10 grand pianos on the floor because there were no pews. Do you know how you would best tune them? To one tuning fork. You would use one tuning fork 
And when all of the 10 grand pianos were in tune with the one tuning fork, guess what? They'd be in tune with each other, right? Jesus Christ is the tuning fork. And as each of us are in tune with him, walking in obedience to him, emulating him, copying him, mimicking him, then we're going to be in unity and harmony and in tune with each other. And God is calling us, each of us who know Christ, God is calling us to imitate Jesus. True story, there were persons in a remote tribe and a Christian missionary came to live with them. And he told them about Christ, but they didn't fully understand. And he was with them a few years and then he died right in their little village. And after a time passed, another Christian missionary came to this tribe in their village and he taught the people more about what Jesus was like and how Jesus died many, many, many years ago. And the villagers disagreed with the missionary that Jesus had died many, many years ago. Do you know why? Because they said, we know him, but he didn't die just many years ago. He lived in our village for years and then he died two years ago. Come, I'll show you where we buried him. That missionary imitated Jesus Christ amongst the tribal people so well that they thought he was Jesus. May people think that we resemble Jesus in our parenting, in our entertainment, in our handling of money, in our kindness, in our compassion, in our honesty, in our love. God is calling me and God is calling each of you who know the Lord Jesus as Savior. God is calling us to imitate Jesus. And Paul, under inspiration, says to us, by extension, imitate me just as I also imitate Christ. And God is calling you and me to imitate Jesus since others will imitate us. It's not if others imitate us, others will imitate us. It's not if you are imitated by someone else as a Christian, you will be imitated by somebody else since you're a Christian. And God is calling us to imitate Christ since others will imitate us and it will be good and glorifying to God if we imitate Christ well because obedience is contagious. See you at Montague Beach, 3 p.m. sharp. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the workings you have done in these precious 15 souls. Thank you that they are obeying you in the waters of baptism. We pray you suit a special blessing for each of them in a precious way, a marvelous way, that you would be honored and glorified through their lives, through their families, through their workplaces, at their schools. Lord, may this day of obedience as a disciple have far-reaching, positive results. And for those of us, Lord, who may be here unwater baptized, as a Christian, 
Help us to realize that the New Testament knows nothing of an unwater-baptized follower of Jesus. There's no such thing as an unwater-baptized follower of Jesus in the New Testament. Lord, may people make decisions to ask for water baptism down the road and ask this for God's glory in Jesus' name. And God's people said, Amen. Amen.